As we prepare for our scripture lesson this morning, we'll be reading from Luke chapter 2, a wonderful Christmas passage, beginning at verse 1 and through verse 20. Luke 2, uh, verses 1 to 20. But first, let's go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks for the wonder of this morning. We give you thanks for Margot, for the joy of baptism. We thank you for uh, calling us together in this moment on this sacred day to hear your word, to proclaim your promises, and to sing your praise. We ask as we read scripture now that your spirit would be with us, that you would move in us and among us and through us, that you would allow us to focus on you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Luke chapter 2 beginning at verse 1. Listen to the word of God. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified." But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks for the comfort of these familiar words. We give you thanks for uh, these passages that uh, remind us of why we celebrate this day. We ask as we reflect on your words now, that your spirit would be here with us, that we might come to know who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is the best day of the year. I mean, not just that it's Christmas, but it's it's both Christmas and the Sunday after Christmas Eve. It does not get any better than that. Um, I I love this moment. uh, I love it because of you. Um, You decided on Christmas Day with all the other things you could be doing on Christmas Day, 
that you wanted to stop and come here. I love that. I love that you chose to be in worship today, whether you're in this room or, or even if you just stopped to, to, to watch online, you chose to stop what you were doing and to be here. I, I think that makes this kind of, kind of an exciting moment, kind of a special moment. And so it, it, it gives us the opportunity to do something a little bit different. And so on the Sunday after Christmas Eve, uh, what I like to do every year is I like to I like to, to take part in one last Christmas tradition. I mean, so many of the traditions are over, right? We, we've baked the cookies. We've eaten a lot of them. Some of us ate a lot more of them after that, right? We've wrapped the presents. Many of them are already opened. We've written the cards, and they've been sent, and we've read them. We've done so many of the, of the traditions, so much of the, of the work of Christmas, and now we just enjoy it. So let's, let's, let's engage in one last tradition. Uh, this is a, a tradition that's become very important to, to Christians over the past several decades. It's what I like to call the Christmas trial. Now, those of you who have worshipped with us around Christmas time for the past few years, you've, you've heard of the Christmas trial. If you haven't heard of it, you are familiar with it. Uh, this is a trial. It, it doesn't take place in courtrooms or in judges' chambers. It's, it's a trial that takes place in pulpits and on Christian radio programs and, and websites and, and Sunday school classes. It's, it's the trial of the Christmas creatures. See, every year what we do is we, we accuse the, the creatures of Christmas of trying to steal the holiday from Jesus. We accuse uh, the, the characters like, uh, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Yukon Cornelius or even Ebenezer Scrooge of commercializing a sacred day. We accuse these, these characters and creatures of grand theft holiday as if they could steal something from Jesus that he hasn't already given them. And as you can tell, I, I don't believe the charges for a second. I don't think it's true. I think the, the characters and the creatures that stick around, I think they stick around precisely because they're not stealing Christmas. In fact, they're trying to remind us of what Christmas means in the first place. They are trying to remind us of something we might otherwise forget. I think our favorite Christmas creatures are not, they're not stealing Christmas. They're more like, they're more like Christmas missionaries. And so we've, we've defended some of these characters over the past few years. We defended Rudolph, we defended Yukon Cornelius, we defended Ebenezer Scrooge. And today I would like to defend one more uh, Christmas creature. This is, this is one of my personal favorites. Uh, he, he happens to be pretty well connected. Uh, his sister is noted for uh, her contributions to the field of psychiatry. His best friend is, is a celebrity. And in fact, he has run for office himself successfully and been elected to office in his elementary school. I'm talking, of course, about none other than Mr. Van Pelt, known more famously by his first name, Linus. Linus Van Pelt, brother of Lucy, who has her little psychiatry stand, best friend of the celebrity Charlie Brown, Linus Van Pelt of the Peanuts gang. Linus is sometimes uh, one of those characters we see on all the, the little commercial things. We find Linus on the cards and the trinkets, and we start to wonder if Linus is trying to steal Christmas from Jesus, but I assure you, he is not. I believe Linus is a Christmas missionary, and Linus preaches a better sermon than most of us. I believe that Linus is trying to remind us of what Christmas really is. So, so let's look at the evidence. We have to start by getting to know Linus. And so that one of the places we first meet Linus is in the, in the comic strips. Uh, Linus appears in the Peanuts comic strips, and there's a great one. Uh, there are several versions of this comic strip. You may have seen it at some point, but uh, we, we find Linus standing uh, alone in the panel 
channel and something is wrong. You can tell something's just, something doesn't look right about Linus. And he's gritting his teeth. And he says through gritted teeth, I don't think I can make it. And then we, we move forward a few panels and we find uh, that Linus has begun, um, he, he's almost clutching his throat like he's choking and his tongue is sticking out and uh, his, his brow is wrinkled and he looks like he's in intense pain and something still is not right. It looks wrong about Linus. And we go forward a few more panels and we find there's a black cloud over Linus's head and he's about to fall over and collapse and we're wondering if, if this is some sort of a medical emergency that Linus is experiencing. But at that point we notice that, that what's wrong is it's got something to do with Linus's hands. Something is wrong with Linus's hands. And then we get to the, the final panels of the comic strip and we find his sister Lucy shouting, here it comes, as she throws through the air what's been missing all along, Linus's blanket. Linus has been empty-handed this entire time, waiting for his blanket. And the blanket finally lands at Linus's hands. And, and Lucy says, another problem solved by the miracle of modern laundry. And we discover that Linus's challenge was not a medical emergency. It was laundry day. Linus can't seem to go an entire comic strip without his blanket to hold on to, to keep him safe, to keep him warm. It's his heart and soul. It's his very life. This is the character we think stole something from the creator of the universe. Linus, who can't go four panels in a comic strip without his baby blanket. I, I, just, I have a hard time imagining Linus getting one over on the Lord of creation. But as we, we move from the comic strip, we, we can look into the Christmas special itself, that great animated feature. And the blanket gag, it continues into this little movie. As the, uh, the other Peanuts characters, they start to tease Linus a little bit about the blanket. And they say, what, what are you going to do with this baby blanket when you grow up? You can't possibly hold on to this thing throughout your entire life. The day will come that you're going to have to give up this blanket. What are you going to do when you grow up? But Linus has it all figured out. Do you remember what he says? Linus very coolly explains to them he's already got a solution. He's going to take his blanket and have it made into a sport coat. So he can wear it as a grown-up and keep it close to his heart wherever he goes. Linus has no intention of ever surrendering his baby blanket. Well, the, the special continues. And Linus and Charlie Brown and the whole gang, they decide they're going to put on a Christmas pageant. And they tell Charlie Brown he's going to be the director. We know this is not going to work out well for Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown is the director. And Linus is chosen to be a shepherd. Now, this is very important for Linus because we're going to watch the rest of the special as Linus lives out the role of shepherd in a more literal sense than you may imagine. But so Linus is chosen to be a shepherd and Charlie Brown is the director. And we watch as Charlie Brown begins uh, barking orders to his friends, telling them what to do, giving them directions, giving them commands. But every time he turns his back, the gang behind him starts to sing and dance and play and shout. And they just explode with joy. And every time Charlie Brown tries to give them a serious direction, they, they just immediately burst into song. They're not listening at all. And this frustrates Charlie Brown because they don't seem to understand what Christmas is about. Now, you might argue that they actually get Christmas, even if Charlie Brown doesn't. But that would be a sermon about Charlie Brown. Let's stick with Linus. So as they keep dancing and singing, finally, uh, Charlie Brown gets frustrated. He loses his temper. And the kids say, you know what, Charlie Brown? You need to go get a tree. 
And so they send Charlie Brown to get a Christmas tree, but Charlie Brown never goes anywhere alone in this special. He's always accompanied by his great protector, his guide, his shepherd, Linus. Linus goes with Charlie Brown to find the Christmas tree. And as they get to the lot, they find all the, all the large, bright trees with, with all the colors and all the lights. And Charlie Brown expresses that they just don't feel like Christmas. They feel too commercial. There's something wrong with all of these brightly colored trees. And he says he wants a tree that's made of wood. What a novel idea. He wants a tree that's made of wood. Maybe they can find one of the old wooden style of trees. And so Linus and Charlie Brown, they find this rugged old tree in the side of the lot. There's not much left to it. And Charlie Brown says, this is perfect. And they pick the tree up. They go back to the kids. And when Charlie Brown brings it in, all the children who've been dancing and singing the whole time, they see his tree and they begin to giggle. And they begin to laugh at Charlie Brown's tree. And at this moment, He's lost it. He, he can't handle it anymore. The commercialism of Christmas has gotten to him. He himself begins to accuse everyone around him of commercializing Christmas. And he shouts out, Can't anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? And at this moment, just like the shepherds, Linus is going to explain what he has heard. And he says, Sure, Charlie Brown, I'll tell you what Christmas is about. And he steps onto the stage. And Linus is all by himself, and and a spotlight shines on Linus. And it gets quiet. There's no singing. There's no dancing. And Linus recites. He doesn't read. He recites the Gospel of Luke. On a television Christmas movie, Linus proclaims the Gospel. He says, in that region, there were shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night. When suddenly the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy for all people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace and goodwill to men. That's what Christmas is about, Charlie Brown. And Charlie Brown hears these words, just like the shepherds proclaimed the words they had heard, and just like uh, the shepherds' words brought joy to those who heard them, there's a smile on Charlie Brown's face, and he grabs that little tree, and he heads outside, and he sees this little tree in a new light. And he says, I'm going to take this tree home, and I'm going to decorate it. And as he walks out through the snow, something very important happens that almost everyone misses. You have to watch very carefully to see this. The bottom half of the screen is white. It's snow. And Charlie Brown is standing on the snow. The top half of the screen is a dark nighttime sky. And he puts the tree on the snow. And he he gets, uh, gets a bulb. And he puts this bulb on top of the tree. And it folds in half. It's the saddest little sight as this tree crumbles in half. But when it happens... The animators play this spectacular trick. You've got to watch very closely. As the tree folds over, the top half of the tree is plunged into darkness. And the bottom half of the tree is left with just a trunk. And one arm to the left and one arm to the right. And if you look very closely, it looks an awful lot like a cross. 
Charlie Brown walks off frustrated at this emblem of suffering and shame that he's left behind him. But Linus, the shepherd, comes up behind Charlie Brown and he looks at that little tree, this this cross that no one else has seen. And Linus says, you know, as he looks at this old rugged cross, he says, I never thought this was such a bad little tree. And then Linus does the unthinkable. He takes his life his heart and soul, his security and safety, all that he is, all that he has, his blanket. And he lays it at the foot of the cross. And all the children come in behind him. Now, once Linus makes this gift, everyone else can see what Linus could see before. And they all start to throw things on the cross as well, and they start to bring their own gifts. They start to decorate it, and suddenly they can see that this little emblem of suffering and shame has become an emblem of, of joy and salvation. And the characters begin to sing. Charlie Brown comes back from off screen, and he sees it too, and he starts to sing. And what they sing, it's not a song. It's not even a carol. It's a hymn. After they see Linus make his own sacrifice at the foot of the cross, they sing, Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn king, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. They sing, Hark the herald, and the credits begin to roll, but the characters keep singing, and the special's over, but they keep singing, and the the movie winds down, and they keep singing, and the song fades into the background as the peanuts are singing a Christmas hymn reminding us of what Christmas is all about. God and sinners reconciled. Good news of great joy for all. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Linus stands in your living room reciting the gospel of Luke. He's not trying to steal Christmas. Linus is trying desperately with everything he has, his heart and soul, his safety and security, his very life to remind us of what Christmas is all about. The good news of the gospel that God loves us no matter what. So I rest my case. Linus is not trying to steal Christmas. Linus is trying to remind us of something we might otherwise forget. Linus is trying to remind us why we celebrate this day. Linus is reminding us of what Christmas is all about. Good news of great joy. A Savior is born. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray.